Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 25 of All This and World War II. We're on the clue trail right now in the adventure. After our heroes fought the Cavalier robot and, unexpectedly, six unacceptably tough commandos, Nick Fury sent them to investigate how these gun-wielding commandos got onto the base and why they're there. Yesterday we covered one avenue of investigation, which is to go to where the commandos are being interrogated. In this scene, you go into a room with a tied-up Nazi, who has only been giving his name and serial number, and threaten him, beat him, use psychic powers on him, cast magic spells on him, whatever you want, it doesn't matter, all he'll give his name and serial number next scene. Today, we get chapter 5, colon, Blue Death, and chapter 6, colon, Patrolling the Perimeter, which are the two other avenues of investigation. Chapter 6 is very simple, so I'll cover that one first. You'll remember that when this adventure forked, I said that if the Misfits were playing this adventure, they would take this avenue. They would go check out the perimeter of the base, since they're trying to get paid and go home, and finding out how these people broke into this supposedly impenetrable base would pretty much be the best clue to next steps. Once you get out there and start walking around, the GM reads the following text, quote, Outside, the perimeter looks normal. There are no signs of forced entry or a breakthrough. Obviously, the intruders are professionals. So you check out the security system, and if you've got any kind of science or security systems talent at all, you can make an easy roll and find out that nobody tampered with the security system. It was working as intended. Then you can make a harder and excellent intensity roll to figure out how the commandos then bypassed security. It's that micro scanner tool that they had, the one with the proud insignia of not quite shield on it, the stylized eagle in the circle with the Latin words for totally not shield inscribed on the outer ring. As it turns out, using one of those micro scanners, you would have been able to make the detectors outside, quote, temporarily echo and display a false image back to the security room. So it's a gadget that you get in a lab, you zap the security system, it makes it loop for a second, you can walk right past. Interesting that Nick Fury said that no one, and he means no one, could ever possibly break into this facility when there's a lab tool common enough for us to like recognize it and know what it does, that all you have to do is hold it up to the security system and push the little button and you can walk right past. Anyway, this is a significant clue because it tells us that the commandos had the scanner from the base before they got onto the base. From there, depending on what they already know, the misfits might go wherever. Now, I would complain that this means that uh, this scene can't actually yield any information to you if you don't have the security systems talent or some kind of science talent on the team. However, we were warned back in the team creation section that every team must include at least a brick, a scientist, and a sneaky, sneaky character. Now, that's complicated somewhat by the fact that character creation, by default, is pretty much entirely random in this game. So it's it's relatively easy to get a scientist, but maybe not always quite the right scientist for the job. As patrons may have picked up from bonus episodes by this time, I created random characters and then drafted them into the various teams. So the Misfits, for their scientist character, ended up with Dr. Advika Jab, who is a regular person, but like a researcher of mutant and psychic phenomena, who's developed these gadgets that stimulate her brain to artificially create psionic-like powers while she has the gadgets working. But those work by activating latent genes. She's a geneticist. That's her only science skill. 
So it would really require some stretching by the judge to say, okay, well, you're familiar with genetics. Therefore, you can pretty well tell that these security cameras haven't been tampered with. And indeed, if the judge doesn't allow that, then the misfits are getting nowhere here because she is, believe it or not, the best equipped to handle this part of the investigation. Anyway, that's chapter six. Chapter five is the one that I sent the secret Zoomers to. This is independent investigation. This is like a free study period in the adventure. It's unusually unstructured, or at least that's how it begins. Quote, this encounter is sort of unusual. Allow the heroes to come up with their own method for looking into the badge, subject to the guidelines below. So this is the one where you're investigating the mysterious blue crossbones badge. Here are the parameters of the investigation. Quote, no one on the base recognizes the badge or knows anything about it. With one exception, no spoilers. Quote, and there are no records of the badge in the base's computer records, nor in the hero's own computer files, should they have an opportunity to look. I disagree strongly with the assumption that no matter what, the team's computer records do not have this information, but I cannot defend my outrage until we get to the actual information in the text. So hold on. Outrage pending. Be patient. Quote, it is up to you, meaning the judge, to decide whether or not the hero's efforts are successful. Basically, information about the badge can only be gained from sources knowledgeable about World War II. Oh, World War II, you say? Well, obviously, no superheroes were active during World War II, so there's no chance anyone on the team would know about this. Anyway, you do have to go to someone else to find out about this, and when you do, and if the judge is kind enough to decide that your efforts are successful, here's what you discover. Quote, the heroes learn that the badge is the insignia of the Blautote, quote, blue death which, by the way, is not what Blautot means. According to those who know German better than I do, it means something more like blue dead, as in dead people who are blue. So bold choice to choose the recent strangulation victim as your mascot. But whatever. Obviously, the Blautot fear nothing. Their stats are way too high for fear. Anyway, Blue Man Group turns out to be an elite Nazi fighting unit who mysteriously disappeared in 1943. What is much more important than this information, at least to the author, is how you find it. Quote, all of this is contained a book called World War II Inside and Out, All the People, All the Places, and All the Events, written by Hamilton Crane. It is important that the heroes get their hands on a copy of this book at some point during the adventure. That is the understatement of the goddamn season. This author lost sleep about getting this book to the player characters. This author, sweat was running down his face trying to figure out how to get this book to the player characters no matter what. The whole adventure hinges on getting this book to the player characters no matter what. So this is the first stop on this long fucking railroad. No matter what you do, no matter how you go to try to find this information, it's going to lead you to this book by Hamilton Crane. Quote, if the heroes themselves track down the information, they find the book. If the heroes were dealing with a plot foil slash contact over the telephone, he or she will give them the title and author of the book and recommend that they stop off at the Albuquerque Public Library to pick it up. So, for example, to consider the secret Zoomers. In the case of the secret Zoomers, uh, they would likely get this information from their academia foil. Uh, one of their members has a dad, uh, Dr. Vance, who is the 32-year-old professor of media studies at the local university. He naturally is their contact for historical information, being as he is ancient. He's going to be the one who knows that this information is probably going to be in a particular book, a particular book by Hamilton Crane, and that maybe they should try checking out that book at the Albuquerque Public Library. On the other hand, if you had somebody closer to the material, right? Like, let's say somebody on the team knows Captain America. Let's say somebody on the team has a, a friend or associate who's a World War II buff. They would probably have this book to hand or at least be able to get it. So they might just give you the information rather than telling you to go to the library and pick up this book, especially if you're using your academia contact. 
Presumably, they have a university library where they are, and that library probably contains this book, which, as we will find, is the only book anyone ever talks about regarding the history of World War II. So it seems strange that they wouldn't just pull it off the shelf and tell you what you want to know, rather than telling you to go drive to Albuquerque and hit up the library for it. And I mean, there are countless other ways you could learn about this, you know. If you're a journalism type character, then you might hit the files at the paper, you know, go back to the World War II archives and see if you can find any information in any of the uh, publications you've got clippings of, any of the back issues of your paper that you work for. This is 1989. If you're a journalist, you probably work for a paper, not an online news outlet whose primary product is a video series on YouTube where people eat hot sauce. And these are just mundane means. I mean, there are all kinds of magical means. You might go talk to ghosts, you know, ghosts from World War II. You might summon anyone who has strong feelings about this, who maybe saw this pin or this symbol as the last thing before they died. What happens if Scarlet Witch summons somebody like that? Does the ghost say, yes, those bones were the last thing I saw before I left this mortal coil. I don't know what they mean, but perhaps you could visit the Albuquerque Public Library. It's just like, for something so open-ended, the dumbest thing on this page is that all roads lead to this one book when Nick Fury is from World War II, right? I mean, he was an elite commando in the European theater in World War II. I'm willing to accept that he never heard of these guys, like just barely, but I'm willing to accept it. I am unwilling to accept that he doesn't know how to find this out. And it would be perfectly plausible for him to just have this book on the shelf at his office. Why not? I mean, we even laid the groundwork by saying he trusts Kruptman because Kruptman is from World War II and Nick Fury cares a lot about World War II. So why wouldn't he have a book of World War II history on his shelf in his office? It's the easiest thing in the world to just have him hand it to the players, have them go look around and have Fury say, oh yeah, it's probably in this book. Let's look it up. But no, this one scene is an open fucking sandbox where the player characters can use any assets they have at their disposal and whatever investigative route they pursue, it will lead inexorably to the Albuquerque Public Library, to World War II Inside and Out, all the people, all the places, and all the events written by Hamilton Crane. That's simply the only place to get this information, which is weird, because for a book whose remit is to cover every place, person, and event in World War II, it's weird that it would be granular enough to note the specific blue pin worn by a single obscure group of commandos who operated for a couple of years for the Germans during World War II. Like for, for a book that's got to cram in the name of everyone who was in World War II, <laughs> that seems, this book has got to be the size of a fucking refrigerator. But anyway, that, it's the only way, it's the only way forward. So the secret Zoomers are in the lead. The other team's got some clues, but this branch is the one to take because it gets you the single, all-important, massively huge tome containing all the information about World War II that you will need to consult throughout this adventure to make sure that you do exactly what the author wants you to do and nothing else. But don't worry if you missed it during this clue trail. You'll find it later, or rather, it will find you. No one escapes Hamilton Crane. Anyway, that does it for the branching part of the clue trail. Regardless of which of those scenes you did, they all kind of lead in the same direction. The commandos used a micro-scanner, which has to have come from one of the labs on the base. The intruders who were caught are honest-to-God Nazi commandos from World War II-era Nazi Germany, which suggests that time travel may be involved, hint, hint. And also you stood in a dark room and slapped one of them around for a while, for no reason and to no effect. Everything points in the same direction. It's that motherfucker Kruptman. He has a lab, he's working on time travel, and his name is Klaus Kruptman. Join me next time when we can all finally stop pretending that we don't know this motherfucker is a dirty Nazi on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. 
New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.